Brian, I'm rat that you uh, you found this like in the nick of time, like ten minutes before we we're recording. You found the chat. <laughs> The guys, uh, the the guys were give, keeping me updated, but for some reason it wasn't showing up for me, and I couldn't find it on web. I only found it on mobile, so then I messaged on mobile, and then it showed up on web. Okay. So. Cool. <laughs> My name is Steve Joll. I'm a radio host and a Warhammer 40k super fan. In New Zealand and Australia, and possibly the UK, when you say pies, you're referring to meat pies. You don't have that, right? Yeah, no, not largely. If you say pie, someone's going to assume, like, apple or something else. Right, get off. okay. Uh, I um, love me some meat pies, though. Oh, my God. You love, you really? You like meat pie? Yeah, so uh, my, my, my dad, actually, um, my family on my dad's side is from Australia. Oh, so, wow. so, you know, we're all about that. This series of podcasts on the Frontline Gaming Network is a chance for us to meet the people who've changed the way we play, collect, paint, read and consume 40k. However you get your Warhammer 40,000 fix, I want you to meet the Game Changers. So, is it, uh, sorry, Adrian has dropped out. Adrian's gone, <laughs> maybe he got bored. We'll assume that he's going to come back uh, any second. Should we just uh, get started? Let's just message. This is episode two, and as you've probably already worked out, it's a three-for-one deal. A trio of content creators who deserve all the kudos they're getting. We messaged him a couple places. Yeah, cool. Well, let me let me do that because uh, in each episode, I like to do the big introduction, and then we can we can just get started. And then when Adrian joins, we'll we'll just kind of wind him into the conversation. Yeah, is that all right? I don't want to mess. That's you. fine. My guests today have changed the way we watch battle reports. One of them is a multiple GT winner and the 2019 SoCal champion. He finished 2019 ranked ninth in the ITC and is probably still known most for his mastery of Tau. The other of the usual on-screen duo has multiple tournament wins to his name as well and a fondness for Auxes as well as Harlequins and Imperial Fists. Meanwhile, behind the scenes and also with some strong tournament showings, the third member of the team seems determined to stay with Custodes and always to throw shade on Dark Angels. They are, of course, the tabletop titans, Brian Pullen, Adrian Phillips and Bridger Hahn. Gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining us. How is everybody? Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're doing great. Good. Uh, tabletop Titans. I want to start there. It's it's a big name. It says we're good at this and we know it. How did the uh, name come about, Brian? Uh, the name. Uh, <laughs> I uh, basically just wrote like a thousand names on a sheet and then just started, <laughs> uh, you know, striking them off. Um, I was trying to think of something that would be would work for Warhammer, but I didn't want to have Warhammer specific naming because. Um, you never know how a channel might evolve, and we're excited about playing other games, other games, workshop games, but um, also other tabletop games. All I knew for sure was that I was very passionate about uh, tabletop miniatures games, and so I wanted something that had that in it. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, our channel is all about playing the game well uh, and trying to teach people uh, the tactics that get help you get the most out of the game. And uh, I'd say that's kind of one of our core focus. We, we do try to play, like we play casually and for fun, but even our four fun games feature a lot of really in-depth tactics. So um, we wanted something that conveyed that you're going to be able to 
you know, be the best at the table, something like that. Right, right. Well, while we're with you, Brian, your Twitter bio says, working on gaming at Google, previously virtual reality at Google VR, design director at TWG, co-founder at Playground Inc., co-founder at Big Terminal. How do you have time? How do you have time with all of that and family to fit in filming battle reports that take three hours? Well, when I first started the channel, I didn't have time. So you'll notice that it, you know, I started the channel, launched a few videos, and then I stopped it again because it actually was impossible to keep up with it. It was it was very, very challenging. Um, and I, I do have, as you see, a background of entrepreneurship. So I do like starting things, and I, I'm good at making time for it. But this was an enormous burden. And that's because when I first started, I was doing it on my own. Right. And I was doing a lot of pre-recorded content where you record and, and edit it. And uh, if you've seen any of the anybody in this business trying to do pre-recorded content at a high quality, they will very quickly tell you that it's a lot of time uh, to produce the videos. And so I got burnt out on it and it stopped. And it wasn't until um, we made the jump to doing live and then I was able to pull in people to help like Bridger and, and Adrian um, until we got the help and until we tried out doing live, we couldn't do it. And thankfully, now that we're doing live, uh, we've got to the point where it's not really much more trouble than just showing up with your friends and playing a game uh, to do one of the live shows. So we would already want to be hang out, hanging out playing a game uh, a couple times a week. Uh, now we just get to stream them. Uh, there's lots of other administration and whatnot that takes time, but that's worth it um, once, uh, once you have the rest of it going so easily. Adrian, let me bring you in here. How did you get involved? How did, how did Brian... Uh you know, get you to be part of this program? Yeah, he said, hey, I'm working on this project. Um, I'm thinking about doing, originally it was the Assassins video when they came out. And he's like, uh, how do you feel about coming in and working on working on, on, on a video uh, with me? And so we had the what felt like the longest shoot day of all time, uh, which was actually a typical shoot day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Filming all four of these. It was really intense. This was in, in Brian's living room at the time, just doing this crazy setup. And um, we had a good time. It, it went well. And then a few months later, again, like Brian said, once once uh, we kind of had the space and it was like, let's do this like live. Um, you want to you know do this for real with Bridger? And I said, yeah, let's do this thing. And uh, Bridger, let me ask you the same question. How did you? How did the three of you all meet and kind of get enthused about this idea? And then how did you get to be part of it? Yeah, so we all uh, know each other from competitive like tournaments in the area. We've played hundreds of games together. Uh, and Brian and I are actually in a narrative club, which is where the idea first came up between us. Um, so after playing our games at the club, we would all go to a local restaurant and eat dinner and chat and then hang out in the parking lot and talk for a while. <clears throat> and so every week for about three months, I would pester Brian in the parking lot be like, hey, you still working on that that idea? You know, if you want any help, I'll, I'll help you with that, that YouTube video idea. Um, and after a few months, he broke down and we, we built the studio. <laughs> <laughs> it wore him down. I love that. That's cool. And have you all always been nerds? Uh, actually, if we can go back to you, Brian. Have you always been a, a tabletop gamer, a nerd dude, or is is this kind of a something that you grew into? No, it's it's always fascinated me since I was a kid. Um, you know, I saw Warhammer fairly young, maybe 10, 10 11, and I was instantly amazed. Uh, I thought it was the coolest thing. So yeah, I've been a collector of this and. 
um, a nerd of many other uh, types uh, for, for as long as I can remember. <laughs> right. Adrian, same question for you, although I feel like I've heard you talk on the channel about being a part of this again since quite a young age. Mm, yeah, no worries. Pretty much as soon as I was old enough to not eat the paint, I was painting models <laughs> with my dad. So, you know, <laughs> born and raised in it, I guess. <laughs> right, right. And so your dad got you involved. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He, he'd been playing Warhammer for a long time and Magic and D&D before that. And so, you know, uh, he was like, hey, I want to make more friends and have kids and, you know, let's all play Warhammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, this is always it's amazing to me because people who get into it young like you guys have, uh, know so much about the lore and the history of it. I came in really late, like I've been playing maybe five years now. I've, I first discovered Warhammer 40K five years ago, and I'm 51, so that means I got in real late, and my son got me into it rather than the other way around. So, it's, right. um, so I feel like I've got so much catching up to do. When I see you guys talking about the lore and making jokes about the lore in your videos, I always feel like, man, I've got so much to learn here, um, which is, you know, watching you guys is is a, is a help to learning it. You've already kind of touched on the decision to stream live reports was kind of a way of, of bringing the workload back. Has it worked out that way, uh, Brian? Yeah, yes, it absolutely has. Um, our, our, the key, the thing that stopped us from streaming from the beginning is we started the channel with an eye towards quality. We wanted the content to be really good quality, right? There's a ton of 40K content on YouTube and everywhere else. And uh, a lot of it's great, but we wanted to differentiate by trying to make it high quality and streaming at high quality is even more challenging. And uh, Bridger really came in and helped build the studio. And together, him and I, we, we, we built the studio that was very complicated, uh, uh, audio visual setup. It took us months before we could stream our first video just in in technical setup and, and research and development and all kinds of challenges, because it wasn't something we had done before. And we had to write a lot of custom software to manage the scores and do all kinds of stuff. And so uh, once we got it all set up, it was uh, running it is really great. It's, it's, it's very smooth, but getting it set up and getting it working was not smooth. It was a lot of work. Right. And so Bridger, is this your background? Are you a technical guy by trade or, or are you the technical guy by default in the setup? <laughs> yeah, so I'm a software engineer as my day job. Um, so when I came on and we talked about how we wanted to present the show, we had a lot of ideas that weren't, um, that the software didn't really exist, or at least that we knew of. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll just, you know, I'll write whatever software we need. We can display our show the way we want to. I'm speaking to Brian Pullen, Bridger Hahn, and Adrian Phillips from Tabletop Titans. They produce high-quality live battle reports. And in a moment, we're going to dive deeper into how, what goes on behind the scenes. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. A lot of people who watch the streams, and it's much like my day job in radio or people who are sports people, we just assume you kind of stroll in, you set up a table, you start filming, and then that's, and then you're done, you know? But I imagine there is also a lot that goes on 
in the lead up to a game. Although Brian, you hinted that nowhere near as much if you have to as uh, you know if you have to edit videos. But there is still terrain to set up, and there is still, as you mentioned, administration to do. So, Adrian, there's a, there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we've definitely streamlined it as much as possible, but there's a lot of thought that goes through through every single video. You know, we show up beforehand. We're really trying to plan the the terrain and everything to be a good show. Make sure the camera angles are set up. We do you know pre filming for the armies, um, and the other thing is like we're always wanting to make sure it's an interesting show. So we're constantly balancing matchups, making sure we have a diverse you know group of armies that is interesting to a, a diverse audience. And so there's all this kind of this balancing act that's happening at all times that results in the cameras are rolling, let's do this, let's play Warhammer, and then we're kind of just focused on that. Say we see three to four hours of actual video, how long for that video goes in at either end for, for actually producing it? Um, we show up about an hour early to set up terrain, do some pre-filming, and we don't actually have to stay too much after the show, so we'll hang around for maybe 30 minutes after just to check clean up a bit. Um, in the days leading up to it, we have to write our army lists and we work together to write our army list to make sure that it's balanced and interesting. Right. Um, and that takes as long as writing an army list takes. You know, uh, we we sometimes spend more time on it than we should just because we're working hard to show a new tactic and make sure that new tactic isn't going to wreck the other opponent instantly. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we spend maybe an hour writing that list, something like that. And... Uh, uh, maybe an hour every week or so to plan out what the games are going to be that week, uh, like what the coming matchups are, if there's a new book coming out, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's not it's not that much more than than what you see on air. Right. Uh, Bridger, I want to ask you as well, you've had a couple of stints in front of camera now. Uh, do you long for the bright lights, Big City, or are you more comfortable behind the scenes? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same to me in front of the camera or behind the camera, um, I've sort of set up, like I know our production and I know all of the rituals that I perform every week or multiple times a week. So it's more of getting uh, things to a state where it's easier for, for Brian and Adrian to produce than me being interested in being on camera. Right, mm. yeah, I get it. Uh, Adrian, you do uh, amazing conversions as well. You kind of, um known for that the, the some of the conversions you do and you have a business making stencils among other things tell me about that are you uh are you a player who paints or a painter who plays which way do you uh, see yourself that's a great question um at the end of the day i like to make things i like to have long-term projects and so largely this converts to making and building um projects uh but the way that for me it translates to games uh, is i i want to have something that i'm always going to be getting back right i stop i stop you know playing digital games that uh, you just had to spend time to build up something in the game, right? Um, that, that didn't interest me as much as kind of building this personal thing for myself. And this is what I love about Warhammer is while each and every game is independent and unconnected, there's this ongoing narrative that I'm kind of learning how to play the game better, building this, building my experience. And so um, that's really what it is about. That's what it's about for me. I want everything to be completely connected. So um, building building models and then kind of building my skill base is how I see it, honestly. And that's what just keeps me coming back each and every time. It's a big part of the quality of the channel too, right? For all of you, I think that you uh, take pride in the paint jobs that you have done and that other people have done uh, and the terrain. And it's just, it's a whole package in terms of broadcast quality 
and being able to keep in touch with the chat and just making sure it all flows, but also the paint and the terrain and just everything. Was that always the way or is that how it's evolved, Brian? That has always been the way. And in fact, that was kind of um, beaten into me by our narrative club. Our, even to join our local narrative club, you have you have to have an army up to a certain paint standard. And uh, the tables are all beautiful. Uh, all the different members contribute these amazing tables. And, and so I just got used to playing those kinds of games. And I was so hooked on playing games like that because previously uh, when I was playing Warhammer, um, I wasn't you know, always doing that. I was, you know, had some great plastic across the table or yeah. we were playing on some cheap terrain. And once I started switching to playing only these like white dwarf level epic games, it was really hard to go back. And especially once we um, started making a YouTube channel, if you're going to make a YouTube channel and you're going to say, hey, come look at our game, it should be this uh, exemplar game. It should be something that really shows off what the hobby could be and what your games could be. It should be aspirational. And so we really like the idea that that everything is uh, up to that standard. Yeah, and it, it, it absolutely helps when you're watching the game uh, in terms of – because you guys like to create narrative, even at a competitive game, in a blow-by-blow, blow, say, a battle between two characters or one unit against another, you guys often talk out the narrative of what might be going on. And it's so much easier to imagine that when the models are painted and the terrain is amazing and the camera angles are, are just right. Absolutely. Yeah, it adds a lot more fun to it. Uh, Brian, can I ask you, how big a deal do you think the SoCal win was in terms of getting people to the channel and and kind of gaining cred as well? Um, I'm, You know, I'm not sure it necessarily drove that many people to the channel, um, ultimately, uh, because at the end of the day, our channel's not all about competitive, although if you are a competitive player, um, you know, we play very tactically relevant games. Um, but we don't position the channel as being a place for competitive Warhammer. Um, and so uh, I wasn't sure that that necessarily overlaps that big. And also, I will say, compared to the YouTube, the audience for Warhammer on YouTube, the competitive community is very small, right? The right. community is a few thousand people, and the Warhammer audience on YouTube is a few hundred thousand people. So it's a very uh, different group of people. Um, but for my credibility as a as a competitive player, I think it was it was big. It was the bir- the first um, very large super major that that I had won, and so I think that goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you know you've got the channel up and running, everything's going great, and then you guys are shoulder tapped by GW to be play testers. It seems like that that would be an honor, Adrian. How did that feel? Uh, it's really a dream, dream come true. Uh, one of those things that you'd say, oh, you know, it'd be great if this happened one day, but you kind of just, you know, cast it aside. Kind of, that's kind of the narrative of, the, of this whole thing, right? You never, I never would have thought any of this was possible. And so it's just, uh, it's really, really exciting and uh, an honor. So, yeah, I just, if I could have told young Adrian that this was happening, I would not <laughs> yeah, believe <yeah>. it. <laughs> really, I mean, even from a from an outsider looking at it, it's just when you say you get to play test for GW or do anything for GW, it's like... Man, that would just be cool, right? And I feel like cool is is what got all of us into it at whatever age. It's you look at the models, you imagine the battles, whatever it might be. Cool is what it's all about, and and doing stuff for GW is it's just cool. Mm. Um, does it add pressure though? Does it add pressure to you uh, in terms of being a player? Um, not too much, because I think one, we always try to play our best game, and. Two, we always try to to be honest about it. Uh, I think, you know, some people say that we're we're 
overly positive sometimes, um, but we just genuinely are positive about the hobby. I think we all, uh, the three of us, have a healthy way of, of approaching it. You know, we we are very competitive players, but we're also very narratively driven people, right? So at the end of the day, whether uh, GW is looking over our, our, our shoulder, whether or not James is there, you know, we're just going to do our thing and we're going to do the best job we can and be as honest as possible. And um, it hasn't hasn't really affected it, which is a good feeling. You know, it, it was sort of an affirmation of, yeah, we're just going to keep doing what we do, and that's and that's great. You know. So you mentioned James. This comes up a lot on the channel. Bridget, what is James? Who is James? <laughs> well, James Workshop is the guy responsible <laughs> for this game that we love. He brought us Warhammer, right? And we brought him glorious memes. <laughs> <laughs> James Workshop. I just love that. It's, and it's one of actually, it's something that happens uh, now that you guys have got clothing and and all sorts of other things coming out. It, this happens a lot with tabletop tactics as well. There are catchphrases that come up on the way through. James is one of them. Good talk. Uh, that's another one that's made it onto a T-shirt. But you get this feedback through chat, right? You get this feedback loop about the, the catchphrases that are really catching on. Are, are any of them deliberately thought out in advance or is, this is just stuff that's come up as the channel evolves? So uh, they just come up, yeah. Yeah, very organic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems like it would be hard to think of these things in advance and kind of map out putting them in. Um, That's true. Brian, I want to ask you about saltiness, which doesn't exist on the channel. Um, it, it does when you're playing in real life, not you, me. Um, and I, I want to say, first of all, that it, it's actually quite inspirational seeing you guys play and the attitude that you have to bad rolls or bad luck or whatever it may be. Uh, how do you keep the saltiness out? Is it just the kind of people you are, or is it the attitude to the game right from the beginning? What is this? I think it's a it's a lot of things, but I think um, I think it's an important attitude to cultivate if you want to have fun with Warhammer. Um, because keep in mind, every time you have horrible luck, your opponent's having great luck, right? Yeah. So your worst moment is their triumph, and so um, you you can kind of just spin yourself for being excited for them instead of sad for you. And the only, the only time that I'm like uh, disappointed that something's really going bad, it's not that I'm losing the game. It's that I wanted to do a good showing of this for all the fans of that faction. Right. You know, it's like I know, I know in chat that there's like a thousand people who are really cheering on this faction or this new model or this new unit, and they want to see it do well. Yeah. And I'm trying to show them what it can do, and it's just like. You know the dice aren't letting it happen. Yeah. So I'm sad. I'm sad for that, but I'm not showing it off. But you know, in the game, who cares? It's all fun. Space War, um, Space Wolf's Land Raider springs to mind. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, an exploding tank is just a, it's just good times all around. Even if it kills my even if it kills my entire army, that, that, that Land Raider happens to do. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, I, as a guy who was like getting back into my space wolves i was like oh this is perfect i'll watch this this will be amazing and then i was like oh man this is really disheartening now i don't want to do it anymore yeah so, it was a different kind different kind of amazing yeah yeah that's right that's right there is still plenty to talk about with bridger adrian and brian in a moment i want to ask brian pullen to give us the secret to rolling sixes I'm fascinated while, while we're on this. I'm fascinated by the idea that some people are just luckier than others. I asked Lawrence from Tabletop Tactics this question as well, but do you think there is any credence in the notion that Brian rolls better or hotter than other mortal folk? <laughs> I'll let them answer it. <laughs> well, I will say 
whether it's Brian or whatever's buried under the left half of the table, <laughs> there's something about the dice whenever they come from that side that just seem miraculous, you know. <laughs> but it, it is related to this idea of saltiness, right? Um, where for me at the end of the day, it's about drama, right? And uh, whether it's something terrible or great that's happening to you, you know, dice rolling or gameplay or whatever, it's exciting, right? Yeah. And so people recognize that and then they draw attention to it. And like, you know, I'm known for my terrible rolling and um, some people would, would hate that. And I think, it's, I think it's great. It's fun. It's dramatic. And so when I do succeed with my rules, it's exciting. When Brian fails his, it's also exciting. And it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just drama. I would hate, I would hate a game where everything is predetermined and nothing, you know, wild could happen. So yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. <laughs> I've got to actually very quick story. I know this is uh, my story, but I want to throw it in here because it relates to a Brian. I have a, a buddy I play with a lot named Aaron and uh, I was starting an AdMech army and while I was playing against him and I had this little character and I, I named him Brian because he was, I can't remember the, the kind of character, but he was just one of those guys, cheap on points, you put into an HQ slot, he doesn't really do anything. And I, I don't know why I picked the name Brian, but it just was a name. And I was playing uh, against Brian and I had parked him on the table and he flew a Storm Raven over the top and Brian was the only target and he threw everything in the Storm Raven at Brian and Brian freaking lived. He survived <laughs> everything from that Storm Raven. And then we, uh, he and I swapped armies, so I gave him all of my army, including Brian. And now we have created this thing uh, called the Brian Memorial Trophy, so that whenever we go to a tournament, whoever finishes higher of the two of us wins the Brian Memorial Trophy. So that name is immortalized and lives on between the two of us. That's, that's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Crazy things like that can happen. Uh, I know Bridger, I remember we were in a top table at a tournament. He had this one shield captain that just wouldn't die. He had my entire Tau army. Yeah. Um, like three three turns in a row, my entire army couldn't kill the shield captain. So that's it the, definitely happened. That's the epic stuff we remember too, right? And so you get through all the games and whatever, but it's those epic moments of needing three sixes and actually getting them or whatever it might have been. Um, yeah, the dice. You know, the dice thing is funny. Uh, and and actually, Lawrence, I, I love watching tabletop tactics. And Lawrence gets a bad rap for rolling so well. Um, but actually, if you watch the games, Lawrence just puts himself in position to have average dice rolls work mm. out for him. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, uh, he puts himself in the chance where he has like four chances to charge at six inches. And yeah, he makes half of them or whatever or more. And then everyone's like, oh, Lawrence, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's just that he gave himself a good chance. And I do something different on the channel, which is why I think I get my rap is Adrian is a very conservative player. He 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 keeps things, he keeps his army safe. He goes for the, the, the points, he plays the mission, et cetera. And so every very, very once in a while, Adrian will go for some long bomb when he's behind. And, you know, the odds are not in your favor, and so he won't get them. Now, me... I like doing silly stuff all the time. And so I take <laughs> ridiculous chances all the time throughout the games. And I actually fail probably most of them, but I'm taking so many ridiculous chances that I have no reason to be taking um, that, hey, you know, every game, like two or three of them are going to pay off. And it looks like insanity. Like, I can't believe that happened for you. But it's like, hey, I tried like 10 of them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
and you don't even remember. So it's just my play style. I, I'll try all these ridiculous things and a bunch of them will work out for me. Um, many of them won't, but you don't remember those. You don't think about those. It's just the ones that worked out that are a lot of fun. The other thing that Lawrence does and that, you know, you do in that situation is you point it out when it comes off, right? And that kind of leads to this perception that, oh my God, it's coming off all the time. But when you roll yeah. the sixes or when you make the long bomb or when you hit that chance for the charge, you go, ha ha, there it is. I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, we make it. We make a fuss, and and that's a lot of fun. But truthfully, my play style that I do on the show is not advisable. Like it's, uh, uh, I'm leaving it up to the dice a lot more often, just for crazy things. Um, if you watch back, you know, despite whatever luck you might think I have, um, Adrian actually wins at least fifty five percent of the games. You know, like slightly over half. Uh, because a more reliable play style is going to win more reliably. Right. One of the Go things that Adrian really teaches us is about measuring in the movement phase, measuring everything out, making sure everything's in the right place. Um, there are some legitimate um, comparisons to tabletop tactics as well, the Triple T, the fact that you've uh, changed the game. Both, I think, channels have changed the game in terms of quality of production. Lawrence and his team set something up, and now you're taking it to a different level with live streaming. The other uh, relevant comparison I want to make is just the relationship. On that channel, it's the relationship that makes it work so well. And how important do you think it is that you three get on so well in terms of the success of the channel? I think it's everything. You know, uh, we all love the game. Uh, all that's super important. But at the end of the day, no matter where you're playing it, you're playing because you want to spend time with people. You want to tell stories. You want to, you know, just hang out with, with someone. And so I think that that chemistry matters so much. Mm. Um that you know again that's how you kind of create these these wild stories and these interactions um that kind of the 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 game becomes a vehicle for that and, and so that was another thing we very intentionally made sure we did was we didn't want to have the camera all the time just on the battlefield kind of flat on head on that like from a technical perspective explains the game just fine we wanted to make sure we want to see the, the reactions that reminds uh, yeah. you of when you're playing with your friends and when, when stuff happens yeah, a hundred percent. And then uh, Bridger as well. You're behind the scenes, but they're giving you a hard time. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you you're getting even when you're not playing, you're getting a hard time about custodies or dark angels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I try to inject like I'm, I'm sometimes the comic relief, but I'm also the voice of the people. I think a right. lot of what people like about our show is that it's live and we interact with people live. So if chat points out, oh hey, you did this wrong. Then we just fix it. Um, or sometimes chat points something out and they're wrong and we laugh at those. Yeah, and one of the big things chat does, and this is funny to me, with all of the thought that you put into lists and content and tactics and measuring and everything else, there is so much focus on beanies and sweaters and brightly colored shirts. <laughs> I, so when I first uh, when I first made the when I made the first couple of videos, I was wearing, you know, just it was cold and I was wearing my standard winter sweaters and this is just the way I dressed. Um, and my first comments on my first YouTube videos were all about like, what's this like Mr. Rogers dude and like mm -hmm. sweaters. Cause I was talking in very like calm measured voice and I had my sweater and it was just like, not like the 40 K uh, content they'd seen. That's all just like heavy metal and like dudes in like t-shirts. Yeah. And I guess it was just off brand for 40 K that everyone was so surprised, but it, it was normal for me. This is the way I play Warhammer. Um, and so it became such a big thing that I couldn't, now I couldn't take the sweater off. Like everyone right. only wanted to see the sweater. Um, and it got hot in the studio in the summer. So I had to take them off, but like everyone would comment on it daily. 
Um, so yeah, it's a funny part of the show now. It is a funny part of it, and and then during the uh, we got, we've got to know. Adrian's brightly coloured shirts, and then the beanie made an appearance, right. and then there, then there was the lumberjack shirt. And I feel like over this whole, over the lockdown period since March or April, uh, as maybe people have got to know you better as well, um, there's been a lot more Canadian stuff injected into the show. People keep commenting about your Canadian roots, Brian, which is uh, true. yeah. So has COVID been good or bad for the channel? That's um, a great question. <laughs> I, I, I honestly. Don't know, but I don't. I don't think it's been good for anything, really. No. In that sense of, you know, we had to go off the air for a long time at the beginning, um, and we did. Uh, we did a different show actually. We did hobby hangouts, which was just uh, to, so that we could be separate uh, for a little while. And um, eventually, when they let us get back to work, we did, and and we get we got back and worked really hard. I'd say COVID, because we all work from home now. COVID allowed us some more free time which allowed us to put a bit more time into the show, which has only been great for the show. But I think the fact that everyone at home can't be playing Warhammer, um, I think that ultimately you would think maybe that gives them more energy to watch Warhammer shows. But actually, I think more people are interested in watching Warhammer while they're also playing. Like if if they've got a game this week, they'll go look for a battle report um, that has that army in it or something like that. So I, I ultimately think that if people were playing more, then people would be watching more YouTube content. Right. I, would, I don't want, for people who are listening, I don't want anyone to think I am in any way belittling the effects of COVID or making it seem like it could be good for anyone. But uh, I'm, I'm purely in terms of like viewer numbers or interaction with the show or time put into it, I was wondering if the if that had been maybe beneficial as a as a side effect, you know, a silver lining to the mm. cloud. Um, and and how are you guys doing with it? Well, Bridget, can I ask you this one? How are you all coping in this, in the current environment of, of surges and waves of COVID coming through? I think that we are very fortunate. Um, <clears throat> we all have good jobs that we can work from home, um, and we all have this opportunity to keep working on the show. And... I think it's not common that, that we're in this place where we're kind of coming out of this at least as well as we went in. Um, so we're very grateful and we want to extend our, you know, our hearts to everybody out there who's not in, in our position. And I think a part of what we do is give people a safe place to have fun and enjoyment no matter who you are, what position you are in life. It's just a place to hang out. Yeah, and again, I think going back to the relationship you guys have and the positivity that you inject into the games and the lack of saltiness and the and the colourful armies and all of that really adds to the the overall effect of, of giving enjoyment to people, no matter what their situation is. So we have live streaming and memberships and you've launched, you know, gear and so I want to ask what's the next step in the evolution of Tabletop Titans? So we have many plans for the upcoming year, uh, several of which are already already in motion. Um, but we're we're looking at doing some more offline content, getting some some videos out. Um, obviously, we're always improving on uh, the the reviews or tacticas. That's something that was really big uh, in the in the start of the channel, particularly before uh, we could go live. And so I think you know as the, the codexes drop, we're we're excited to to get into that. Um, and then, of course, you have things like the Las Vegas Nopen coming up that we're going to be participating in. Yeah, that's exciting too. Um, listen, guys, I want to thank you so much for all the work you put into this and, and, and the quality of it really pays off, which is one of the big reasons I wanted to 
to talk to you is the effect you've had on the, the Warhammer community, the 40k community, and now expanding into AOS and and uh, Titanicus and the other games that you're bringing to the channel. So thank you for all the work you do. Um, we appreciate it. Is it is it interesting, weird, fun that you have feedback coming in from, well, I'm in New Zealand and then Japan and Europe and all over the world. Is that weird, sitting in the Bay Area doing your shows and having feedback coming in via chat from everywhere? <laughs> we love it. And if anything, we wish we could get rid of chat delay so we could interact more and more quickly and more often. Mm-hmm. Um, chat delay is brutal. And I experienced this when I had to stay at home for other work reasons. Yeah. And I was watching and trying to interact with Brian and Adrian. The chat delay is brutal. <laughs> yeah. I love seeing all the different like currencies coming in when we do the super chats. It's like, oh, this is you have rupees or kroners, and it yeah. just like highlights yeah. all these different places with all these different people coming together, and it's just it's so cool. I it's lo- so cool to see. I loved asking a question once and donating twenty New Zealand dollars, which you <laughs> got, which looked like twenty dollars on the thing, and you guys don't know that's worth nothing in America. <laughs> <laughs> twenty Monopoly dollars, you know that's good. <laughs> it's very similar. Hey, listen, guys, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Keep up the great work. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. My thanks to Brian Pullen, Adrian Phillips, and Bridger Hahn. You can find Tabletop Titans on YouTube and on Facebook, of course. Become a member and make sure to get the Good Talk t-shirt. Next week, Val Heffelfinger and the Falcon have changed the way we digest the numbers of 40K. And they have the best passport stories. See you then. I'm Steve Joel, and this has been 40K Game Changers.